is up. It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe. It is Friday, July 2nd. Fourth of July approaching us here. Of course, enjoy your Fourth of July this weekend. Midpoint of the summer already, or whatever. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it, does it? But it does feel like fantasy football draft season Kicking off officially for me, I don't know about you, but next week it is on, baby. But today on the show, we're going to preview the Las Vegas Raiders, a very interesting team here with John Gruden at the helm. This guy right here, I love this guy. So we're going to preview them in just a minute. But let me remind you, we do have a contest going on. Really easy to enter this contest right now. Here's all you have to do. Review and rate this show on Apple Podcasts. In your review, leave your Twitter handle and you're entered in to win. I'm going to be giving out a free Rant t-shirt. So the logo of this podcast, get that bad boy. It's it's an attractive t-shirt, all right? And it's free. So enter in. Takes you 15 seconds, all right? If you want to check those out, though, go over to sawdustpods.com. All right, let's talk about these Raiders. And I don't want to bury the lead with this team. So I want to talk about this right off the top. Josh Jacobs is here. Josh Jacobs is entering his third year, and obviously there's been a lot of excitement for fantasy purposes surrounding him, you know, since the Raiders did step up and draft him. However, the Raiders did complicate things for us this year because they added in free agency Kenyon Drake. So the response to that has been, you know, a lot of folks dropping. Jacobs down in in rankings. And I get it. I get the reaction, but I do think in some ways it's an overreaction. Because here's what the Raiders have told us without really telling us in Jacobs' first two years in the league. They really believe in him as an early down back. In fact, they've fed him 515 carries over the last two years. That's a lot. That's in 28 games, which is over 18 carries per game. You know, you're, you're up in big boy territory right there. But here's what they've also shown us. Over that same span of time, he has only had 53 catches, only saw 72 targets. Now, 53 catches, you can do that math pretty easily over 28 games, isn't even two per game. They do not trust him in the passing game. To be, you know, to be a true three down back, which is kind of interesting because I thought that was the area he might have been a little bit better in coming into the league, but they don't see it that way. Now, what they do, however, see is again, big time early down guy. So here's what I think this means. And Jacobs will still be in that range of probably just under two catches per game. I haven't projected at 28. Kenyon Drake coming in, John Gruden has already said this is a guy we need to get in space and utilize his explosive ability. We know that Kenyon Drake has that. Is Kenyon Drake a guy that you want to lean on as an early down runner? Well, if he was, then you don't let him get out of the building if you're Arizona, and you don't bring in James Conner. Kenyon Drake is not an early down guy, which is weird because of his size. You would think he might be, but no, he's not. But he is an explosive player, and he has shown that over the course of his career. So bringing in Kenyon Drake is really a a guy who you're going to rely on in passing situations. And this is obviously something they prioritize because they also remember they had Theo Riddick in the mix. Jalen Richard can do some of that for you too. It's just not in Jacobs' wheelhouse. That being said, I have Jacobs 
at almost 250 carries, another 1,000-yard season, eight rushing touchdowns. If he does that, plus the, you know, all right, say, call it call it 30 catches, call it a 200 yards, call it a touchdown. If he does that, he's a top 20 back. He's not a top 10 back. He's not a three-down guy. But he's 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 doing enough there that he's very much a solid RB2. You know, we discount him, but we don't discount somebody like uh, Jonathan Taylor for the same reason. Jonathan Taylor is not going to have much more than you know, two catches a game either, and Naeem Hines is going to do that in that offense. But people kind of selectively forget about that. Now, let's be clear. I still have Jonathan Taylor ahead of Josh Jacobs, but... In fantasy football, sometimes we select arguments for one player, and then even though the same argument applies to another player, we don't use it for that other player. I think that might be a little bit of what's going on here. So either way, I think we're fine with Jacobs. We can get him at a half-decent value, and he can be a solid number two. Now, decent floor, but not a massive ceiling because of his lack of usage in the passing game. But it is what it is, and and I think we shouldn't be overreacting too much to Kenyon Drake. So there you go. That's my take on him. Now, I think you look at Derek Carr next. Derek Carr is about as meh a, a quarterback as they, as they come for fantasy purposes. But you look at the numbers, and they're actually not bad. It kind of cracks me up. He's had over 4,000 passing yards each of the last three years. He does have a 30-passing touchdown season under his belt. He had 27 passing scores last year and only threw nine interceptions, and he has some decent weapons. He is just about as boring as they come, though. So here's the thing. I'm not looking at Derek Carr at all in a one-quarterback league. He's too boring. He's not going to win you your league. But if you want to be one of those types who likes to wait at quarterback a little bit in your super flex leagues and your two-quarterback leagues, Derek Carr as your second quarterback is not a terrible idea. Right now, projecting out at 4,260 yards, 25 passing scores, uh, additional 140 rushing yards, two rushing scores. That's top 20 numbers right there. Like, I don't love Derek Carr, and I don't want him in a one-quarterback league. But if you're going to play chicken with the draft a little bit and wait at your second quarterback spot in a super flex, you could do worse. I I don't really mind it, to be honest with you. And part of it is the wideouts and then obviously having Darren Waller. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver core. So the targets are a little tricky in terms of how we distribute them here among the wide receivers. Because let's be clear, we know the top target on this offense is the tight end. And I'll talk about Waller to round out the show. But you have essentially right now, here's your group, okay? You have Henry Ruggs, we know, and Hunter Renfro, we know, and Brian Edwards, all those young guys from last year. But they do have some veteran presence on this roster in John Brown, Willie Sneed as well, and then, of course, Zay Jones and his levitation is still there uh, kicking around at the bottom of the depth chart. Right now, I actually do have Brown as the top target, not Ruggs. I think we see more out of Ruggs this year than what we saw out of him in his rookie season, and there has been, you know, there's been some buzz about him, things starting to click into place, 
and John Gruden saying we need to use him as more than just a decoy. The potential is very much there. I mean, this is a dude who had 17.4 yards per catch last year. 26 catches, all right, blah, boring. 452, yeah, whatever. But we know the explosive upside is there, and if they could just start using him the way he should be used. Short and intermediate, let him run after catch. He's not a downfield guy. A lot of people think he is, but that really wasn't how he was used at the college level. If you can start to tap into that, Ruggs could take a step forward. I will say this, though. I don't really love any of these guys. None of them are top 60 for me because it's going to be relatively run heavy in this offense, and then you have a ton of targets going to Waller. But if I'm going to take a stab on somebody, even though John Brown projects out with the most targets, the most catches, the most yards, I'm going to take that shot on Ruggs if he's around in the late rounds. Not going to force the issue, but I like the upside. I like the fact that we should see a little bit more of him this year. It may not be the year he takes the big step forward, and that may never happen. We never know, but I do think he does take a step forward. Now, the third target on this roster is, for me, Hunter Renfro, and it's kind of boring, 54 targets. Because I do think they're going to still use Brian Edwards. And I still like Brian Edwards for dynasty purposes, let's be clear. Even though John Brown is in the mix, Brian Edwards was such a stud at the college level. And we can't ignore how good he was from the gate. This dude was putting up numbers as, you know, at the beginning of his freshman year. He was 17 years old against the big boys in the SEC. He's a good football player. And last year was coming off of that injury. Remember, he didn't he didn't uh, work at the combine because of the injury. You have the veteran presence of Willie Sneed. He'll do Willie Sneed things. He might have one game, <laughs> but for the most part, he'll just chip in a little bit there. So, really, the only appeal out of these wideouts for me is rugs, and it's not a massive appeal. It's not like I'm clamoring to get Henry Ruggs uh, by any means, but. There's enough juice there, and that's what you have to really think about, especially with your late-round picks. So you're after round 10. If you're going to be drafting a wideout, you're going to be drafting a running back in that range, that that player better come with a high ceiling. Of course, they're going to come with a low floor, or else they'd be drafted earlier, but they better come with a high ceiling. Darren Waller has that high ceiling. Darren Waller is so stinking good. And the scary thing about Waller is... I don't know if we've seen his ceiling yet. Like, we haven't reached the top of this roller coaster ride. And now I'm saying that about a player who had 107 catches and almost 1,200 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. One of the greatest tight end seasons in NFL history, and that is not hyperbolic. Look it up. He had 90 catches the year before that. So he has almost 200 catches as a tight end over the last two years, and we haven't seen what he's fully capable of yet. That is scary in a good way. The question isn't, is he going to be good this year? Is he going to put up big-time numbers? No, he's going to do that. If he's on the field and he doesn't get injured, he is going to do that. He has a special skill set for the position. He is an absolute mismatch with his size and speed. He's a wide receiver. From the college level, he was a wide receiver, remember. He is an absolute mismatch. 6'6", 255, and can run like an like, like a gazelle, man. 4-4 four, four speed. The question is, should we draft him? And this is a tricky one. 
because you could, in theory, uh, uh, go with a sort of punt RB2 strategy in a redraft league where you draft a, a premium running back in the first round, and then you could draft Waller in the second round. Now, drafting Waller allows you to keep pace with the team who drafted Kelsey, with the team who drafts Kittle, maybe with the team who drafts Hawkinson and Pitts. But do you like your roster construction? Because now what is your your top? You could still end up with a top 10 wide receiver in the third round, by the way. Do you like your roster construction that way? I think that's the question that you need to ask. I don't always like it, but there are, there are times where I'll go that route and I'll say, okay, I did, I, I like this roster. For some people, it's outside of their comfort zone. So you have to consider that. But you also have to remember, too, if you're drafting that tight end early, then you can't overlook running back and wide receiver. I see this far too many times where a team will go out, they'll draft the tight end early, so they'll get Kelsey or Waller or or Kittle, and they'll think they're good. And then they also draft a quarterback early. And then they go, you know, I don't really like my wide receiver. I'm a little weak at wide receiver. I'm a little weak at running back. Well, everybody's going to be weak at running back, but they may say I'm a little weak at wide receiver. Well, if you're going to go tight end early, I don't think there's any way you can draft a quarterback early. And I never really recommend that in a non-Superflex league, but it is something to just keep in the back of your mind. I know everybody wants an elite option at every position, but I'd rather have depth at wide receiver and running back. So you can go Waller, but make sure you have a plan in mind if you do go Waller. Keep your eyes on the prize, baby. And Waller is a stud. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Raiders here, of course, next on our list. The Miami Dolphins, that'll be coming next week. Enjoy the holiday. Happy 4th of July to all the American listeners. And shout out to all the international listeners. I see you guys. At Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you are a listener of this show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.